Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, January 24th, 2024, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. We're reading from the big book, and we're in the doctor's opinion on page XXX, the, uh, the third paragraph that begins, There is the Type of Man and ends a whole chapter could be written. Today's readers, and thank you for your service this Wednesday, The 12 Steps, Susan S.H., 12 Traditions, Joni Y., readers of the text, Darlene H. and Vanessa G. Our newcomer greeter is Maria H. Our second hour host is Ken W.H. And announcements this morning will be given by Kathy S. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 21,061. That's 21061. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 21,063. That's 21063. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Susan S.H. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, this is Susan S.H., a compulsive overeater recovered today in Ohio. One, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Susan S.H. And I'll now ask Joni Y. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Joni Y., compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Um, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, our group purpose. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you, Joni Y. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book in the doctor's opinion on page XXX. We'll be reading and commenting on the third paragraph that begins, there is the type of man and ends a whole chapter could be written. And I'll now ask Darlene H. to please begin reading. Good morning. This is Darlene H. in Georgia, recovered by the grace of God for sure. There is a type of man who is unwilling to admit he cannot take a drink. He plans various ways of drinking. He changes his brand or environment. 
There is a type who always believes that after being entirely free from an, uh, from alcohol for a period of time, he can take a drink without danger. There is a manic depressive type who is perhaps at least understood by his friends and about whom a whole chapter could be written. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. I was thinking about this paragraph and myself and my experience. When I came to OA back in 2000, I was out of ideas. And I, I honestly, I don't even think I had any ideas. My whole eating career had been out of my control, and I didn't know what to do. The only things that I had ever tried was the pay and weigh, and I actually worked for an organization in the Boston area that uh, was for weight loss. But I never really gave it much of a try. I never dieted, nothing, except from those two things. Um, when I came to OA and I got abstinent and uh, removed two ingredients that I was told to remove from my food plan and I stayed absent for five years um, until the day came when I ate, when I realized I didn't have a spiritual experience. I didn't have a power greater than me. I, all I had was a food plan. Then I think I knew without a shadow of a doubt I, w I didn't have any ideas. But I tried like hat to control you know, come up with all the list of things each day. I'm going to, you know, all the tools and all the things, the checklist of how I'm going to control everything. And it never worked. And I will tell you, I was in relapse for, you know, a better part of eight years or so. I'm sorry, that background noise is not mine. Um, so I was in relapse for a better part of eight years of, you know, trying to work the steps, eating, not eating, uh, eating while working the steps, you know, and I couldn't, I, I just couldn't get it until I got to a place of a power greater than myself, you know, surrender, full, full on surrender. Um, I think that there were times in there that I was not willing to admit it. Like I definitely wasn't willing to give in to the food. I knew without a shadow of a doubt that there were certain ingredients that every time I ate it, I couldn't stop. But I wasn't willing to give it up. And until I was really willing to give it all up, did the changes begin to happen for me, and for which I am entirely grateful. Thank you for letting me share. I passed. Thank you, Darlene H., for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we do ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience as well. So if you've shared on any of the vision meetings on Monday or Tuesday, we ask you to hold back this morning. And who would like to share on what Darlene read? Carolyn S. from New York. Harlan G. Arizona. Harlan. Kathy W. from Texas. Kathy. Anybody else? Vasa O. Okay, Vasa. Lauren Grace B, New Jersey. Lauren Grace B. Anyone else? Okay, so I have Carolyn S, Harlan G, Kathy W, Vasa O, and Lauren Grace B. So Carolyn S, you're up, followed by Harlan. 
Hi, this is Carolyn S. from New York, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, <clears throat> when I looked at this, sorry, when I looked at this um, paragraph, I was like, oh my God, this, it, just the very first line I have it underlined, there is a type of man who is unwilling to admit that he cannot take a drink. And that was me for a long time, just unwilling to admit that I, I couldn't do it by myself. I, I lost so much weight over the years, you know, the pay and ways and everything else, you know, powders and pills and, you know, but I didn't, I didn't want to admit that none of it was going to work because the problem was with me. I could lose weight, but I couldn't stop picking up afterward. Um, also, it talks about the manic depressive type. And I don't know if he means literally um, like bipolar, but, but I am bipolar. And um, when I read this, it's, you know, the least understood by his friends and that includes per my program friends. Um, it's like I'm on and off, you know, when, I, when I'm on program, I'm yay, yay, yay. And, um, and then the depression hits and they always seem to be tied together. And it was like the chicken and the egg. But um, it really, it, it doesn't matter which causes which. The point is, if I get abstinent and find God, uh, find God first, usually. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do that. I am armed against the next wave of depression if it comes. I mean, I'm well medicated, but they're still up and down. So, you know, if the closer I am with God, the um, if I have entire abstinence, I am as well protected as I can be. You know, I'm sponsoring, right? That's like the best insurance against relapse. So I just, you know, I, I do everything I can to accept my diagnosis and uh, to work within it, to have a full life, despite, you know, certain limitations. And today, my, my um, life is much better than if I wasn't a compulsive overeater, because I am so much more compassionate to other people, whatever they're facing. I, I'm quick to give them the benefit of the doubt, which I never was. Now, when somebody seems really irrationally nasty or whatever, I think, I wonder what's going on in their life. Like, you know, do they have any relationship with a higher power? And um, I really feel like everyone in the world could benefit from some sort of 12-step program because it's, you know, it's really not about the addiction. It's really about the spirituality, the connection with the higher power. Who wouldn't benefit from that? Who wouldn't benefit from trying to live life responsibly? or, you know, blame for the things we do wrong. Um, we know that we have this incredibly loving, omnipotent power who loves us. You know, we are his precious children. And Fine. I think it's what I have for my kids. Thank you. I appreciate God's love for me. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Carolyn S. And Harlan G., you're up, followed by Kathy W., Thank you very much, moderator, for your service this morning. Thanks for taking the meeting. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. And when I was a young boy, very young boy, it never occurred to me that I could not eat candy. It just never occurred to me because I saw people around me eating candy. I saw people around me eating cookies, eating cake. This is Girl Scout cookie season. And, man, that was a real drug for me of no choice. <laughs> Once those Thin Mints were inside me, holy mackerel, I would go to town on them. 
And when I look at this paragraph, it says there is the type of man who is unwilling to admit he cannot take a drink. That was definitely me. I refused to admit that I was different from other people. And I did plan various ways of eating candy, or I did plan various ways of eating whatever, deli meats, whatever that is, french fries. And I, I didn't change my brand, but I was the type of person who always believed that after being entirely free from whatever for a period of time, I can eat it. And I would lose weight as a, as a young boy, as a teenager. I would actually diet down and lose 20 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever that might be. I remember once uh, I was in uh, eighth grade and I lost like 50 or 60 pounds. And I was still overweight at that point, but I, I got it in my head that I could eat, you know, something that I really wanted. And I ate it thinking, well, I'm not going to put 50 pounds back by eating a bagel. I'm not going to put 50 pounds back by eating uh, M&Ms with peanuts or whatever that might be. But yet I did put more than 50 pounds back in. I did put the weight back on and then some. But before I go... I also want to say that this is a very special day in our history. It is January the 24th. And January the 24th, 1918, is Bill and Lois's wedding anniversary. January the 24th, 1918, is obviously the day that Bill and Lois got married. Would we be here today if Bill and Lois had never got married? I don't know. I fear to think that we would be because, you know, thank God that they were. And this is also the day in 1971, January 24th, when Bill Wilson passed away and went to that big meeting in the sky. So I owe him so much. Uh, I owe him my life. I owe him the very breath that I take. I owe him my very existence uh, because he brought God into my life through this magical book uh, that I want to take a minute today and say thank you, Bill Wilson, and that the service that you did for this world, the sun will never set on it. And it, it, it's never bounded by, by nations, by continents, by oceans. His work is, is worldwide. Um, I hope everybody has a great day. And thanks. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Harlan G. And Kathy W., you're up, followed by Vanessa O. Good morning. <clears throat> this is Kathy W. from Texas. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater, and I'm new to the program, so this is a little scary for me to talk. But anyway, I wanted to say in this, in this paragraph, there is the type who always believes that after being entirely free from alcohol for a period of time, he can take a drink without danger. And that has been me. I was in another 12-step um, food recovery program for seven years before I came over here to Vision, and I've just come to Vision. I've only been here for, I don't know, a month maybe. But anyway, I was able to get abstinent, but I never worked the steps, and so it was on my own it's like on my own power and I was always white knuckling it. And I realized now that I was dieting with group support. And so I'd get, I'd get along so far and then I'd be like, okay, I've done it. I've gotten down to my right weight. I can eat again. And I'd turn back to the food. So I have a history of relapsing. So thinking this, the sentence that I can be free after a period of time, I can't be free. I'm a true compulsive overeater and I need a spiritual experience to change and that is what I'm realizing now, that I need the steps in order. I have to work the steps in order 
to get recovered. And I never worked the steps those whole seven years I was in this other program. I followed a food program and I did what I was told to do, but I never worked the steps. I didn't understand the spiritual experience. And now it's like my heart is overflowing with gratitude because I'm not even thinking about eating now. Like I'm working the steps with my sponsor and I'm only steps one through three right now in the very beginning. But I'm not even thinking about food. I have a food plan. I've met with a nutritionist and I'm following it and I'm doing it every day, but it's somewhere in the background. I'm not, it's not calling to me. I'm, I I am so focused on what I'm learning in the big book. And it's so amazing to me. I don't even believe that I, I didn't get this before. Like they did talk about the big book in the other group, but I never saw what I'm seeing now. And I'm just amazed that when you put the food down and you work the steps, your eyes become open, you begin to have this spiritual experience and things begin to change. And that is what's happening for me. And I am very grateful. So that's all I need to say. Thank you all so much for this meeting and I will pass. Thank you, Kathy W. And Vasa O, you're up, followed by Lauren Grace B. Mm, Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Lisa, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater calling from Florida, and um, yes, you know, I tried to control the food for 25 years of my life from, I think, from 15 years old when we came in America, and uh, in the old country, we didn't have all these kind of foods and selections, so I, I was thin as a child, and my mother used to worry about me, so I know about being thin and being made, made fun of, and I know being chubby and overweight being made fun of. So I didn't like either one of them. But anyways, uh, and I tried to control the food addiction since I was 15 till I was 41 years old when I found Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm so grateful. I had a sponsor that uh, was AA, and uh, she gave me my first big book right from the beginning. And I said, well, I don't want this. I don't need it. I'm not an alcoholic. Well, she said, just scratch food and put alcohol on the top. Well, I didn't, under, I didn't understand the allergy of the body. I was not drinking, which I did drink at times, but I liked the sweet drinks that were mixed with alcohol. Since when I found out uh, um, um, alcohol was drug, I got, I got scared and I stopped, and I didn't want to have those sweet drinks. So I haven't had alcohol in my body for 37 years also. But anyways, by the time I came to OA, my first meeting, I was willing and I was ready to admit I was powerless over the food addiction because whatever I did did not work any longer like I hear from all of you. It would work maybe for a little bit, but I always gave in in the food. So what I needed to do, my sponsor stressed on me, Vasa, we need to find a power greater than ourselves to help us and to surrender and I was willing and ready to surrender with a food addiction. And believe me, it was not easy, but I did. Because when the compulsion came back for me to read, I would get on my knees and I'd ask God to please forgive, uh, relieve me from the obsession. And then I threw myself in the program, the, tool, the tools. I was just so excited to find out the I found out the problem, what the problem was, then I also found what the solution was. And I was so excited. I remember saying, yes, 
I will do, and I'll follow with everything that I hear here because I don't want this addiction to kill me. And and I was killing myself, and I was shocked to find out food was addiction, was eating disorder, compulsive overeating, and I had it all done, but I thought I was supposed to manage it and man, manage it and control by myself. It did not Time. work. Thank you. This is the only thing that has worked, and I've stayed with it all these years. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Lauren Grace B., please share with us. Good morning, everyone. This is Lauren Grace B. from South Jersey. Thank you so much for your service. Uh, there, Somebody else read this sentence as well, but there is the type who always believes that after being entirely free from alcohol for a period of time, he can take a drink without danger. And um, when I was newly recovered almost two years ago, my, my family, I took a trip with my family to Greece. And, um, and you know, of course, I didn't, I didn't go out and eat dessert. But I had, um, I just started dabbling in things that weren't exactly on my food plan. Like I had one gulp, and this is just speaking for me, I had one gulp of orange juice. I had sausage and bacon that I didn't have the list of ingredients for. And then by the time we were on our way home, I was eating the meal on the airplane. You know, that just doesn't work for me. I am a critical level food addict. I think in this program, you know, there's different levels, just like there's stage one cancer through stage four cancer. I, I feel like it's that way with us too. Some people, their food plan, is it can be loose and they can do things and still be abstinent and still be completely clean. But for me, I'm a critical level food addict. I need to be able to see the ingredients on the package. I need to know exactly what I'm eating. Um, because being lax with my food plan sent me into a relapse. And I couldn't, when I went to restaurants, it wasn't like the United States. I couldn't get what I needed. Um, I had no way to cook the food. We went to the grocery store. There, weren't, there wasn't the food that I eat or that I needed there. Um, and, and that taught me a lot, you know, from, from now on when I go out, I either bring my food or I make sure it's a place that I know that I can get what I need. Um, and this might sound like a lack of freedom, but it isn't so, because when I take care of my disease, I can live the rest of my life. I have a wonderful relationship with God and a wonderful recovery now. And it reminds me of a quote, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. You know, uh, God hems me in. God hems me in with the steps. God hems me in with my food plan. And um, as long as I'm taking care of those things, I can live my life in complete freedom. And that's all I have to share. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lauren Grace B. And we are on page XXX in the doctor's opinion. That we're reading the third paragraph that begins, there is the type of man and ends a whole chapter could be written and comments are on that one paragraph. And who else would like to share this morning? Cheryl L., Florida. Cheryl, Cheryl Kim A. L. Nancy P. Somebody G. Amy, I think. Nancy P. Julie P. Julie P. Anybody else? Novella P. Novella. 
Okay. I have Cheryl A, excuse me, Cheryl L, Kim A, Amy G, Nancy P, Julie P, Novella P. Okay, we got all those P's this morning. Cheryl L, you're up, followed by Kim A. Good morning, everyone. My name is Cheryl L from Florida. I am a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater and so happy to be on the line with you all this morning. Um, I wanted to, you know, just um, relate my experience with that, thinking that I can eat um, after a period of abstinence. Um, I had um, probably six years of of abstinence back in the, um, you know, around 2012, 2013, and I was not doing doing everything I should have been doing. I was not... um, you know, improving my spiritual condition. Um, I was not working the steps. I was sponsoring, but it was sponsoring more around service than it was around recovery. Um, and after that period of time, I I thought I could eat the way that others ate and uh, made a decision, made a conscious decision to um, to pick up the food again. And from that point on, I struggled. You know, I tried all of the different means you know, necessary to, um, you know, to lose the weight after I gained it back very quickly. And none of it worked. Um, I tried the way, you know, way and pay. I, I tried psychological means. I tried exercise. Um, and none of it, none of it worked. And, um, and, and worst of all, I, my self-esteem started to go, you know, right downhill. So it was when I came back to OA in 2022 that I was able to find abstinence again. And uh, this time with a sponsor um, and working the steps thoroughly and really diving into the spiritual aspect of this program, you know, practicing 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis um, and working with sponsees through the, through the big book, you know, I've been able to, to achieve, you know, something that I've never had before. Um, so this program really does work, and I'm just so very grateful to, um, to be a part of it and to hear you all sharing day in and day out. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl A. Excuse me, Cheryl L. And Kim A., you're up, followed by Amy G. Thanks. Good morning. This is Kim A. from New York City. And when I was in OA originally, I struggled for 18 years follow a food plan and to avoid certain foods and ingredients and to weigh and measure and do all the stuff that I was told to do. Um, I was told I had a sugar allergy, so I thought I had a sugar allergy, so I would try to avoid it. And 18 years, I was like a ginormous failure. I just could not do it. And looking back, I understand the reason why I couldn't do it, because the big book tells me that once we are, once we pass into chronic, being a chronic compulsive eater, we're beyond any human aid solutions. So anything that I was trying as a human was not working for me. Um, And it also fed my obsession. I didn't have any neutrality around food, even when I was abstinent for a period of time, because I was tied into bringing my food places, and, like, all of the things that people are describing work for them, that's great. It did not work for me. And now that um, I've had this chapter interpreted for me a little bit differently, that I don't have an allergy to sugar, I have a phenomenon of craving, 
that is to the behavior of shoving food down my throat. So it didn't matter what it was. Once I started shoving food down my throat, I couldn't stop because I got that, like, ah, that easing comfort. Of course, I'm going to go for, like, cake before I'm going to go for broccoli. But if there is no cake and I can't get cake, I'm going for broccoli because it's not about what it is. It's about shoving food down my face. So anyway, now that I have understood that about myself, the idea of going back to trying to eliminate certain foods and ingredients makes me, like, squirrely and squirmy because I have neutrality now. And, you know, I'm not running around eating candy all the time. It's not about that. But it's about the idea that if food is not my problem, then how is trying to control and manage my food going to help anything? And it's not because I'm not a chronic compulsive eater. It's because I am a chronic compulsive eater. So, so my, my, my vision is very different from a lot of the, the visions and what works for people on this line. But I like to share because if trying to avoid certain foods and stick to a food plan is not working for anybody, it's not a huge failure. It's because there's another way to go about recovery and to interact. And that neutrality that's promised to us, I, I couldn't get that. I couldn't get that, and I couldn't get my life in order until I followed the steps as they're written, which Fine. includes the understanding, thanks, that food is not my problem. And, uh, yeah, I'll pass with that. Kim A. from New York City. Thanks. Thank you, Kim A. And Amy G., you're up, followed by Nancy P. Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered uh, compulsive reader from Maryland. Thank you, everyone, so much Excuse for me, a Amy. wonderful meet. Yes. All right. If you're not, if you're not Amy G., please mute your phone, star one. Sorry, there was some weird noise, Amy. Please go ahead. Sure. Sure, no. Thank you so much for your service. I appreciate it. And thank you everyone for a wonderful meeting. Amy G from Maryland. Um, you know, I don't know about you all, but it never occurred to me if if I could stop compulsively eating, you know, therefore I would somehow be able to stay stopped. You know, I could stop compulsively overeating a lot and I did that a lot. And I did it in a way for many years as well, but it never occurred to me because this disease is so cunning, baffling, and powerful that I couldn't stay stop. I just thought there was something I didn't get right. I thought there was something I needed to do better, right? My family's motto was all it takes is a little willpower, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I didn't understand how I could achieve in other areas of my life, but I couldn't stay stopped. And I treated this program like fellowship with group support, right? As all these others have said. But what the doctor's opinion is making very clear here, and I'm going to scoot down another paragraph here and kind of cheat here. It says that because of this phenomenon of craving, because of this allergy, I am a distinct entity. I am different it says this phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. And it has never been by any treatment, you know, eradicated, paraphrasing there a little bit. But the reality for me is that when I put those certain substances into my body, I'm going to have the phenomenon of craving. But the problem is, is that if I'm thinking my body is clear of that, which I did, even in Overeaters Anonymous, willing to admit I was powerless, why is it that I kept going back? And what I didn't understand 
and as others have talked about, is that, you know, I had no problem compulsively overeating. The problem was me. Eating compulsively was my answer to life when life wasn't going the way I wanted it to. And what we've, what, what, what's becoming clear here is that even without the allergic substances in my body, I will still find a way to find my way back to them because I have a spiritual malady. I mean, that is at the essence of it. The spiritual malady, I'm selfish, self-centered, compulsive, impulsive. I want to run the show. I'm controlling. I'm manipulative. I want to run the show, which that spiritual malady without a higher power triggers the mental obsession. And, of course, I will find some sort of insane or no reason at all to find myself in front of the refrigerator five bites into a binge going, how did I get here? Right? Because that's the disease. It is the spiritual malady. It ravages us physically, emotionally, and spiritually, but it is a physical allergy that makes us as a distinct entity because of our allergic reaction to certain substances, but the greater aspect is that mental obsession. I can't fix me. I cannot fix me without a power greater than myself and the transformative personality change that comes at that comes through the process of putting the food down, putting down my allergic substances, and working these 12 steps, because then I have access to power outside of myself. And that's what I need in order to deal with the spiritual malady, in order to deal with me, in order to be sane while I am abstinent, because I couldn't live in my skin being abstinent, like others have said. It was just white knuckling. And so I'm grateful to have a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery through the grace of God and these 12 steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. And Nancy P., you're up, followed by Julie P. Hi, good morning. Uh, Thank you for letting me share Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Um, I'm all these people. I, you know, I'm I'm a manic depressive, well, I guess not manic depressive, but I'm like, you know, a downer, <laughs> Debbie Downer, and I'm, you know, to admit, and, and you know, <clears throat> I can say that there's always been a lot of talk about willingness, um, but willingness never got me anywhere, and I planned plenty about how to hide, sneak, cheat, and lie around getting food, but I also spent the same amount of time hiding, sneaking, cheating, and lying about how to avoid eating, um, how to avoid, you know, being, you know, tempted or being in a position where I might not be safe around food. And today I know that, you know, I can't do any of that. I can't weigh and measure my way out of this um, this problem. I could have a railroad car full of Tupperwares all weighed and measured for 10 years, and it's not going to help me. You know, I could walk out my house for any situation and go into that railroad car and take what I needed for whatever meals I was excuse me, going to be away for, and it isn't going to help me because the problem is not where the food is. The problem is in my brain. And, you know, sometimes I'd be able to not eat, but the craving remains because it isn't about the food. That's why abstinence alone doesn't work. I swore I was willing, but there was nothing to take the place of the obsession. And if admitting that I was compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety was the key to success I'd have recovered a long time ago, but it wasn't. I had to embrace who I am to create a space where recovery could take hold and take over. You know, I always tell my sponsees, I never dump them for picking up, just as a word of caution, I dump them if they're late. (laughs) But, um, you know, yeah, I had to put the food down first, but that's when the real work began. 
And, you know, the real work was to do this work open with an open heart and an open mind. All of it, every bit of it, exactly as it says in the book, whatever I was told to do, I did immediately and as hard as I could. And today, I never think about food in terms of hiding, sneaking, cheating, and lying, ever. I think about it a lot to make sure I have salad stuff and, you know, all the stuff that I need, you know, chopping and cutting and prepping and having everything available. That does take a certain amount of time, but I'm a responsible adult and I can do that today. I um, I also go to a lot of meetings and I sponsor people. Someone else said it was the joy, you know, the, the key to everything. I think it's it's not a chore anymore. It's the joy and privilege and honor that I have in my life to do that. And um, and and what happened was through all that work, not the, and it didn't take that long, consistently doing it. There was this space that came in, and what rushed in to fill the void was surrender. And today, I don't worry about stuff anymore. I don't, you know, the more I surrender, the less I worry, even when my life is difficult, which it often is. But, um, you know, today, even though this, I have challenges in my life, it seems easy because I don't have this gorilla on my back demanding that I do what it says. And, um, you know, real freedom, thank you, real freedom starts with surrender, as everybody knows, from me anyways. And, um, you know, I highly recommend it. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. And Julie P., you're up, followed by Novella P. Good morning. My name is Julie P. I'm from Minnesota, currently wintering in Texas. And I am so grateful to be here this morning. And thank you, everybody, for your service. You know, I'm really identifying this morning and just kind of sitting back in amazement at my disease. I am on day 100 um, coming out of my relapse. And I I just love two-way prayer. I have really been growing my spiritual fitness with two-way prayer and my higher power brought to me this morning that my disease is trying to wiggle its way back in with cough drops. And I just had to, it was just, it was the furthest thing from my mind. But my higher power told me this morning that I have had five cough drops in the last three days. Yes, I had a little bit of a sore throat, but certainly not enough that I needed to be sucking on five cough drops over three days. And I'm so grateful for that because my disease will do whatever it has to do if I am not in the sunlight of the spirit and staying connected to my higher power. And that is my rigorous honesty for the day. And I am really learning about the importance of being rigorously honest. And thank you all for being here. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie P. And Novella P., please share with us. Hi, this is Novella P. Um, I'm in that last sentence. It says, I am a person who was least understood by its friends, family, and especially by myself. I had no idea why I did the crazy things I did. I, I, would, I would follow a diet, and then if it had sugar in it, I couldn't stay on it for very long. It was all white knuckling. But if I had the grace of God and I found a diet that didn't let you eat those foods, flour and sugar, I would get 
I could stay on the diet longer, but I couldn't stick to it. I always went back. I always went back. Once they started letting me have fruit, I was back. it was sugary enough to set off the binge, and I was off and running. It was just the craziest life. I, You know, it was so horrible. I just never could figure out what was wrong with me. I remember one time I had this wonderful diet, and it was working so well. I didn't even want to eat anymore. That's how abstinent I was. I just I was remember eating the food, and I didn't want to eat anymore. And I go, what is wrong with me? And it was because I wasn't getting that, oh, like I always got the way I ate. It was gone. And I was an alcoholic before I became a food addict. So I, I, the food was my ah that alcohol used to do to me, and I could, you just can't continue to do it. And where all those programs lacked, they would have worked if we took out our abstinent foods, but what they lacked was the power. I lacked the power. They didn't give us the teaching about the power. So my whole job now is, in order for me to have that power, I have to seek it. I have to seek that higher power that's going to keep me abstinent. And I'm so grateful today that I have that higher power and I'm able to have that daily reprieve, but it's only through him. It's not me. I know who I am. I am a true food addict. I'm a true alcoholic. And it's only by the grace of God that I'm able to keep those, keep my food and eat a weight and measure meal every day. And for that, I will always be truly grateful. But I learned about those things through this door at a vision for you. And boy, am I grateful for this program as well. So thank you all. And I pray that you all seek that higher power because it's the only thing that's going to save you. It doesn't matter that you're abstinent today. You won't stay there without him. Thank you. Novella, I now pass. Thank you, Novella P. And we have time for probably three more shares, comments on uh, the third paragraph on XXX. Who else would like to share? Joanne P. Sorry, I missed that P. Somebody P? Joanne. Joanne, thank you. Samia J. Okay, somebody J. Samia. Can you spell it? I can't hear you very well. Uh, S-A-M-I-Y-A. Ah, okay, Samella. Okay, one more? Janice S. Janice S. Let's go with those three, Joanne P, Samelia J, and Janice S. So, Joanne P., you're up. Joanne P., oh, there you are. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Joanne P. from Pennsylvania. So thankful to be here today with all of you. And, oh, my goodness, these beautiful shares just um, wants me to, to tell my story. I guess I read this paragraph and I think about my life. I spent most of my life being all of these people. I, um, yeah, I didn't know about OA until not even three and a half years ago. And 
I was killing myself with food and I, I, I was trying everything to stop. I was trying everything to, um, yeah, to lose weight, really, I guess. That's what I was trying to do because I knew that if I didn't, I was either going to drop dead of a heart attack or not wake up some morning. And I used to tell my doctors that I needed a psychiatrist and then all of a sudden, you know, um, my therapist told me about OA. She had lost a lot of weight over COVID. And I said, you look so good. You know, what's going on? And boy, did I come in here with a gift of desperation because I was, I was not good health-wise. I was, I was having a lot of physical difficulties. And um, when I read this doctor's opinion, it just changed my life. I realized that now I knew what, yeah, I did need a psychiatrist. I had this obsession of the mind and this abnormal reaction to food. And so um, that doesn't mean it's been an easy journey for me. I know that um, I can't pick up once I've been abstinent for a while. Oh, yeah, I have. And go right to God, like, what in the world am I doing? You know, I'm killing myself. I can't do this. So here I am um, surrendering my life and trusting God because I know that that's the only way that I'm going to be able to live in happiness and joy. And it's working with the sponsor who um, helped me go through these steps and help me find humility and honesty and willingness. And so every day I, yeah, I say the set aside prayer and hope to see the truth. And every day I surrender, I, I say, I surrender and yeah, my life and my will, because only until I abandon myself to my higher power, Am I going to be able to um, stay abstinent? So I'm I'm coming back from picking up and breaking my abstinence with 27 days, and I am so thankful to um, just be here. So thankful for my relationship with my higher power for complete surrender. Yeah, and absolute abstinence. And I'm so thankful for all of you and your shares. Your fellowship, this fellowship has helped me as well. Love you all. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Joanne P. And Samuela J., you're up, followed by Janice S. Well, good morning, everybody. And thank you for the services to me and Jay, a compulsive overeater in Delaware. And I just wanted to share that, being vigorously honest this morning, that I was at one point willing to admit that I couldn't eat certain foods. And um, after being entirely free from these foods, um, I actually did intentionally go back and pick them up because, like many others have shared, I, I was blessed to be in these groups that just focused on the food or just focused on, um, you know, weight loss or just, you know. And once I achieved those goals and I realized that my skin was crawling and I was still depressed and still miserable, irritable and discontent that sent me um, 
searching for another answer. So, you know, whatever it is that we're looking for in these fellowships is exactly what we're going to find. Um, and it, I was, I feel like I was led to vision when I was tired of trying to get some type of external, um, you know, cure or, you know, what looked like a, an external fix for my problem. And here in vision, we spend a lot of time in the book, and the book definitely helped me to see that, you know, we, this is a spiritual um, problem, and it has a spiritual solution. And so I'm just so grateful today to be learning that and, and have the understanding that that's the only thing that's going to work for me. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Samuela J. And Janice F., you've got two minutes. Please share with us. Uh, good morning. This is Janice S. from Tennessee. I am a compulsive overeater, and um, I just, I just wanted to share this morning. Um, I, I really don't know how to say this, um, I, I, and I really don't know what it is that God put on my heart to share. But I find myself. Um, struggling and and facing some facts about myself. I have recently um, gotten some uh, health issues that are very painful and something I've got to face and surgeries and stuff. And what I'm finding is that that's an excuse for me to think, oh, no, you know, I'm not going to be able to, to to eat like I'm supposed to eat or it's going to be hard for me and and all of a sudden my mind is going to that stupid place that that crappy thinking that crazy thinking and then I and then I find myself thinking you know what I, I've been doing some crazy thinking not just with food but with everything else I've been going to that place where I get compulsive about everything and the reason I feel like that I'm doing that is because I'm not doing my work. Um, I, I'm not doing the things I need to do on a daily basis that keep me close to my spiritual walk. And anyway, I this morning when I got on the phone, and thank you, Harlan, for sharing the anniversary date. Um, for some reason, that touched me today. And I got to thinking about how we take those things for granted and we should not. Because you're right, if it weren't for Bill doing what he's done and Lois and all of that, would we be here today? Would we be doing these things? I don't know. And I know I'm all over the place with my talk, but I hope for some of you it means something. I'll, I'll close with that. Thank you guys for being here. Have a great day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Janice S. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, January 24th, 2024, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 21,069. That's 21069. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. 
And Vanessa G., will you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only until keep you until then. Thank you. I will. This is Vanessa G., recovered in New Mexico. Thank you, everyone, for a great meeting. This is our closing. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.